Hey everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter, that is Tim, and we talk about horror movies on this show. On this episode, we are talking about The Headhunter, which we will start spoiler-free. We will give you some warning somewhere about spoilers, and you know, that's that's how we roll. That's what we do every time every episode, Tabby. That's what we do. Yeah, if, if you don't know by now, I don't I don't I don't know what else we have to do to get the <laughs> You get it through your thick skull. That's what we do. <laughs> we talk about horror movies. What do you think? Before we get to the movie, though, we do have some horror movie news to work through. I actually have quite a bit of it this week. I have a lot of tabs open. Uh, more Ooh. than usual, for some reason. Uh, busy, busy news week. Do you know what I think it is? I think it's because we're getting close to October, and I think there's so many VOD movies getting announced for September, October, that uh, yes, yes, yes. we've been flooded. we flooded with movies. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. of, first up, Vertical Entertainment is releasing The Curse of Buckout Road uh, on VOD on mm. September 27th. Um, Buckout Road might be known as the most haunted road in New York State, but nobody really believed it until now. A college... Oh. <laughs> a college... <laughs> oh my god, I'm, I'm combining words here, Tim. So we're off to a bad start. <laughs> a college class project on modern mythology turns deadly when a trio of students and an on-leave soldier discover a series of horrific urban legends surrounding Buckout Road may actually be true. The deeper they dig into the road's dark history, the more dangerous their quest becomes. From witches burning at the stake, to backwoods albino killers, to a modern unstoppable stalker, writer-director and horror film aficionado Matthew Curry Holmes leaves no genre unexploited in this loving throwback to late 80s midnight movies. No genre? Uh... I assume it means subgenre. I assume they're all horror genres, but I mean, okay, yeah. I, I don't think there's going to be a musical and a, a rom-com yeah. section <laughs> somehow. It's very ambitious. All right, so this is what pisses me off. So <laughs> I... <laughs> yes, go on, Tim. Uh, no, I always get jealous of like uh, these the college classes people take in horror movies because my all in college like all i did was learn about like financing and accounting and all this crap but then like whenever you watch horror movies it's always like someone doing like some urban legends class or like some like class about ghosts or paranormal to be fair it is a modern mythology class and you clearly did not take any sort of mythology based classes you listen, took financing was... and accounting and numbery things, clearly. Listen, if there was a mythology major uh, at my college, you know I would have taken it. <laughs> Those aren't the kind Tim, of classes they offer. Tim, do you do you really think that there was other colleges around the country that were doing like accounting, but they had field trips to like haunted houses? <laughs> like hey. this will make you a better account if you if you can account if you can account in the middle of a spooky storm, then you'll be accounting for life. Hey, I can only speak to my own experience, and those were not the kind of classes that were offered. Is that the account? That. Is that the account equivalent? If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. If you can account during a spooky thunderstorm, <laughs> then you can account anywhere. Hey, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> high stakes accounting. <laughs> oh dear! I love how it describes the director as film aficionado. Like, I mean, I kind of assume that aficionado like i assume that all directors of movies are all film aficionados because that's how they get into directing yeah. <laughs> for the most part right it, it doesn't feel like a, a detail worth mentioning but hey yeah so <laughs> never cared for movies but i thought yeah i'll try my hand directing. <laughs> all these movies suck so i'm going to direct movies because i'll be better than everyone else because the rest of yeah. them are all terrible <laughs> yes so uh it stars evan ross 
who was in Hunger Games Mockingjay. Of course. Henry Zenry. Yes, sir. <laughs> no, Henry Zerny, rather. Zerny. Uh, who's in Ready or Not in Mission Impossible. Uh, oh, okay. Dominic Provest Chockley, who was in Monona Earp and Age of Ultron, of all things. Uh, Colm oh. Fior, who was in The Prodigy and Thor. Who was in both The Prodigy okay. and Thor? Jesus. Uh, most notably, <laughs> though, this is, this is why I was saying this list, because the last one, Danny Glover's in it. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, cool. Uh, who, who you may know from Lethal Weapon, Predator 2, uh, and so on and so on. A bunch of things. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not, like, thrilled with the description. Gone Fishing, was he in that one? Sorry? Gone Fishing, was he in that one? He wasn't God Fishing, you're right. It's a future app. It's a future app. I think I saw that once when I was a kid. I, I feel like it was like an old man comedy and not a not a horror movie. But aging is scary, I suppose. So yeah. <laughs> See, I I like that the. I prefer like the old man comedies of the 90s. I guess they were like a little sleazy, but not like today where it's just like dirty grandpa. Where it's just like Robert De Niro trying to like basically have sex with anything that moves. Oh, that one with Zac Efron where they're on like a road trip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I never saw it, but the trailer did not fill me with hope. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so yeah, I'm not thrilled with the description of this. I, like, it could end up being good. It's a bit vague, though, in terms of what they actually encounter. And I, I actually, like, I'm not even sure if it's like a, an anthology. The way it says no genre left unexploited makes me think it's going to be like a bunch of short stories on the street. Oh, okay. But, uh, but at the same time, the description of the characters makes it sound like, no, 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 it's actually just a group of characters are in the street and they encounter shit. Mm-hmm. So, I don't yeah. know. Uh- I mean, it's vague enough that it's kind of hard to get excited until, I mean, you know, maybe if the trailer comes out and the trailer looks really good, like, uh, you know, it could be something. But yeah, right now it's just yeah. like, all right, it just sounds like a new horror movie. Yeah. But there's no reason to think it's going to be terrible either. Um, outside, oh, of yeah, them, the... outside of them describing the director as a, a film aficionado, <laughs> which worries me a little bit. Um, so we'll move on uh, to Lionsgate has acquired a pitch from Patrick Ness, who was the director on A Monster Calls, which was not a horror movie. Uh, although I heard mm-hmm. it was good. I never actually, I've not got around to uh, watching it yet, but I heard it was a yeah. heartwarming it was... story. <laughs> Yeah, it was on my radar. It looked cool. I never got around to seeing it. Uh, but he's working on a film called The Monster. Not to be confused with that movie we did a couple <laughs> of years ago, which was the, the mother and son in the car. Which, oh, you, which, yeah. which you didn't like that much. I actually, I actually was, was into that movie. But yeah, uh, so right. we've got another movie called The Monster in, in the works. Maybe we'll change the title. Maybe they won't. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. being the only thing we really know about it is that it's being compared uh, or it's, it's been described as a new take on Frankenstein. It is a contemporary oh, take okay. on Frankenstein. So, I don't know if Frankenstein needs a new take, but all right. <laughs> I think we just have to accept that Dracula, Frankenstein are going to be like redone till the end of time, um, and to a lesser I mean, extent, I... the Wolfman. The Wolfman gets done less often and tends to suck mm-hmm. almost more often at <laughs> the time. But well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love you know these characters and these stories, but you know, I, I feel like maybe people are always focused on like you know reinventing the wheel and like. Which I don't. I feel like it usually is not that great. Yeah, what was uh, the, what but, was the last one? It was the uh, the Max Landis written one, right? Victor Frankenstein with uh, Daniel ugh. Radcliffe. I never yeah, saw it, was, but that was the last one, I think. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> Which is no surprise because uh, Max Landis is a talentless hack. So, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, um, he's awful. 
<laughs> he's an awful person. I he did write one movie that I really like actually. Uh, it was called Mister Right with uh, Anna Kendrick and Sam Rockwell, and it is a delightful little uh, action comedy. But um, okay, <laughs> I won't let that uh, lay any judgment to his character though, because he's a prick. But <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the monster, uh, new version of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it doesn't necessarily sound like it's going to be an ad- adaptation of Frankenstein itself. It sounds like it's just going to be like a... They're going to have like some sort of reanimated body or something like that, but it's not going to be exactly Victor Frankenstein that's in it kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, I believe there's another, like, uh, um, you know, person's take on Frankenstein that's coming out. Uh, I think maybe even this year. I forget what it's called, though, but uh, uh sounds interesting. Yes, I can't remember the person's <laughs> name, can't remember the movie's name. I'm so excited for this mystery movie, this Frankenstein uh, take. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, moving on, uh, Polaroid, the directorial debut of Child's Play director Lars Klevberg. I assume that's the remake uh, director as yeah. opposed to... Yeah. Uh, a, Tom... Tom Tom Holland uh, directed the first Child's Play. Not to be confused with the actor Tom Holland, who is currently Spider-Man. This is a Tom Holland who was working as a director in the 80s and, and so on. Um, but yeah, so this film's been chill for a while. That, that's why it's like, hey, just had Child's Play come out. How, how did they have this one ready? It's because it's, it was finished a while ago. Um, but it's coming out on VOD platforms on September 17th, 2019. I feel there's a lot of last-minute uh, October-thon movies uh, popping up in these news items, which is yeah. cool, <laughs> although it's going to make October uh, an interesting interesting time. Uh, the film has yeah. been described as The Ring Meets Final Destination, in which high school loner has no... <laughs> Jeez. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like this, this sentence is uh, a little incorrect here. I, I feel like it should be a high school loner. I thought it was going to be high school loner and then a name, but it doesn't have a name. Yeah. So I think it's meant to be a, a high school loner has no idea what dark secrets are tied to the mysterious Polaroid vintage camera she stumbles upon. But it doesn't take long to discover that those who have their picture taken meet a tragic end. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> This sounds like it's probably going to be terrible, I'm not going to lie, but yeah. <laughs> uh, we have uh, writer Blair Butler, who wrote Hellfest, that was a film oh, okay. we, we were lukewarm on at best, mm-hmm. uh, stars Catherine Prescott, Tyler Young, Grace Zabriskie, and Mitch Pelegi. So, yeah, that's coming September 27th. There is a trailer for this. We didn't look at the trailer, but the trailer is there if you wanted to check it out. Uh-huh. I think isn't Blair Butler, isn't that like a comic person if it's the same person i'm thinking of uh, i don't know uh, uh I'm, i don't know if i'm with them i mean are you just saying that because he's got alliteration in his name and that sounds like a superhero no no, <laughs> no. no well uh the person i'm thinking of was a woman uh who oh. I, I think like she used to be on uh like on tv reviewing comic stuff and then like uh i think she wrote a few comic books but uh, I, I could be uh completely wrong uh american stand-up comic which does not actually mention that she's a comic book writer. The comic has in stand-up comedian. Oh, yeah. uh, television host and screenwriter known for her work on Fresh Ink and other segments on the okay, G4 yeah. program Attack the Show. Yeah, Attack the Show. That's that's video game stuff. Okay, yeah. She used to like review like the comic books and stuff. I mean, okay. Uh, so yeah, that, this may be the same person. Uh, this is just a screenwriter. Yeah. So. yeah, I don't know. It's uh, How do we feel about old technology horror movies? <laughs> like... You know, I feel like uh, we haven't seen these kind of things for a while, but I don't know, I feel like, you know, there was a, a thing with them for a while where it's just like, ooh, like, you know, you, you get this whole little piece of technology and yeah. it's cursed. And- I think, 
I like the idea of old technology being used for horror movies, mm-hmm. but very rarely do I find it actually ends up being good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I liked uh, the first season of Channel Zero, which focused on like a weird TV channel that was oh, sure, sure. kind of like corrupting people. Uh, and it was, it was the idea that was like in the static, there was like this hidden code. Like, I'm kind of into that. Um, analog technology tends to lend itself to being creepy because mm-hmm. there is this kind of this weird like, between the signals kind of thing. Whereas digital is just completely like, you know, as it's there, it's not. There's no... Yeah. That that's why whenever there's like a ghost on the internet, I'm just kind of like, oh whatever, like it's hidden <laughs> in the code. Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It could be cool. Like, uh, it, 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 though, there's like a lot about it that doesn't sound too reassuring. I mean, mostly the fact that it's been like shelved for years. Do you is think usually never a good sign? <laughs> Tim, do you think in like thirty years when? We all have little things in the side of our head that we just tap to call people, uh, and like <laughs> smartphones are old. We're going to have haunted smartphone movies. Like someone finds that finds an iPhone in the dumpster, and it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, what's this? I think my great granddad had one of these, and then <laughs> yeah, they yeah have to go to some pawn shop to find a plug. When they plug it in, all the light bulbs shatter, and then I don't know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever. I'll, oh, I'll watch sure that it'll movie. Be, it'll be a movie about Siri going crazy and being like a, a naked <laughs> AI. Yeah, it could be cool. <laughs> uh, even homage to 2001, you could be like, what are you doing, Dave? <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't, do, I can't do a Siri voice. I'm sorry. Um, it's also worth mentioning I have no devices with Siri. Well, I guess my iPad probably has Siri on it, but I've never, I've never used it. <laughs> I've, never, I've never listened to Siri say anything to me. Uh, next oh, up. Yeah, I've never used mine either. <laughs> uh, pre-production is now underway in a horror film titled My Last Halloween uh, with Shawnee Smith, who, of course, was uh, in the Saw franchise. Uh, although I, I think of her more primarily as the, uh, as the actress from Becker. That was like a Ted Danson sitcom uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, that's what I think of her from first, but she yeah she would end up being in the Saw movies, um and D- Dustin Nichols who's a, a newbie is going to be in it as well. Uh, written and directed by Jeff Gress, the film will center on Kevin Preston, played by Nichols, who is abducted and held captive by a sadistic killer on Halloween night. Uh, Smith's going to play uh, his mother in the movie, so it's a, it's a kid being kidnapped on Halloween. <laughs> yeah, it could be cool. Yeah, no reason to necessarily suspect. It's, it's one of these things where if you know if I don't know the director, I don't know, you know, anyone behind it. It's hard to actually gauge quality. Yeah. I, I'd say that more often than not, a lot of these descriptions are likely to end up being just crappy VOD movies <laughs> that aren't that interesting. But unfortunately, yeah. But yeah, sometimes it, it helps a little bit more once the the trailer comes out and you can kind of get like the style and tone they're coming for. And, yeah. Well, um, I think horror is all like comedy, and the premise ultimately very rarely is interesting on its own like pre- like the premise of a good sure. horror movie very rarely goes oh that's a cool premise like i only say that every so often i feel like more often than not the premise is probably going to be generic but it's the direction and the style and the way it's presented that makes it a good horror movie so yeah and we've seen plenty of uh examples when it is a really good premise but you know it doesn't really work out so yeah 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 speaking of premises that may be good Ooh. uh you like stephen king of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, at one point, George A. Romero was attached to direct an adaptation of Stephen King's 1999 novel, The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Uh, but that, oh, fell, yes. that fell through. Uh, but all these years later, producers Roy Lee and John Berg of Virgo Films are spearheading an adaptation of their own. Um, 
Chris Romero, the former wife of a late horror filmmaker, Georgie Romero, is also part of the team, interestingly. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the girl who, who loved Tom Gordon, uh, King offers a frightening suspense novel about a young girl who becomes lost in the woods as night falls. Um, on a six-mile hike on the Maine, New Hampshire... Maine? Maine's in a Stephen <laughs> King story? I am shocked. On a six-mile hike on the Maine, New Hampshire uh, branch of the... Uh, yeah, I should probably say Hampshire because it's not a it's not a, a British location, but Hampshire. <laughs> that, that's how you pronounce it in the UK, Tommy. Just in case you're curious, we were we were talking about. Uh, why can't I think of a of, of a county now in the UK? <laughs> it's too early. It's too early. <laughs> York Yorkshire. There you go. Yorkshire. It's not Yorkshire. Yorkshire. It's Yorkshire. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> My main went black. Anyway, uh, so nine-year-old Trisha McFarland quickly tries, sorry, quickly tires of the constant bickering between her older brother Pete and her recently divorced mother. But when she wanders off by herself and then tries to catch up by attempting a shortcut, she becomes lost in a wilderness maze full of peril and terror. So, so have you read this one, Tim? You've read a lot of Stephen King. Um, yeah, I have not read this one yet. This was a. I want to say maybe 90s-ish, if not early 2000s, which uh, I'm kind of working my way uh, up through King. So I've uh, right now I think about in the early to mid-90s, um, but I haven't read this one. I, I didn't uh, – I'm, I'm a little surprised from the description because I did not think that this one was much of a horror book. Uh, I, From what I know, know of it as um, – unless I'm conflating it with another book, but – but I thought it was basically a girl gets lost in the woods. And I think she – Tom Gordon, I think, is like a baseball player that she kind of imagines is there with her. Mm. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I didn't think it was much of a horror. I mean maybe it's like a little bit more of a you know survival suspense kind of thing. Um, so I'm not sure. But, I mean, any Stephen King thing, I'll, I'll definitely uh, see. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. That's, that's, that's what it is. Uh, so moving on. Uh, what do we have next? Uh, production has started on the new Candyman movie, which has been billed as a spiritual sequel to the original. Uh, this is, of nice. course, co-written by Jordan Peele, uh, who's yeah. also producing it. Um, yeah, so uh, Nick DaCosta is, is in the director's chair. He made Little Woods. Um, of course, this means that you know for next year when this is coming out, we're going to have to do the, uh, the three Candyman movies on the show. Of course, you can look forward to that. Uh, they've announced the starring... Already got the first two on Blu-ray. <laughs> oh, look at you go. You're all prepared. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I am not sure if the third one is on Blu-ray. <laughs> but if it is, I'll probably get it just to be completed. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, they also announced a bunch of the supporting cast for it. I won't go through them, but there's a bunch of more cast announced for it. Um, yeah. Now, see, this is one I'm super excited for, and I guess maybe, yeah, with this one at least, you know, know a little bit more about the, you know, uh, premise. Although, you know, maybe they'll take it in like a new direction. But, um, yeah, eventually we'll do a review on it. But I do like the the first Candyman quite a bit, and then, uh, you know, obviously, you know, having Peel involved is uh, exciting. Yeah, I think having Peel involved in a, in a big way, you know, being co-writer and producer. Gives us a lot more crack because I feel like if it wasn't, I would just be like, oh, it's probably just going to be a crappy sequel that's made years later. That you know, and, hmm. until proven otherwise, I'd be expecting it to probably be mediocre. But Peel's name yeah. kind of gives it a bit of cred and gives it a bit of like, oh, maybe this will actually be good. I say that having yeah. not seen any of uh, Nia DaCosta's 
uh, uh, previous films. Did I say Nia Da Costa before? I don't remember saying Nia. Maybe I said a, a different name by accident. Um, I, I thought you said Nick, but I could have been wrong. <laughs> I think I said Nick. No, I, I think I just glanced at him and said Nick. So apologies to Nia. Uh, what did you say she did before? Chair. Little Woods? Little Woods, something? yes. I don't think I've seen that, but I mean, definitely interested though. It sounds familiar. I'm going to I'm going to do a quick INDB and see what Little Woods is because it sounds familiar to me. I the title. Oh yeah yeah yeah. No, I know what this is. Um, that this was on my uh, to watch list. It's not a horror movie. It's a movie with Tessa Thompson and Lily James. Oh okay. Um, uh, the the trailer was pretty good. Uh, it looked kind of a sort of like tense indie drama thriller kind of thing. Um, okay. about these two people sort of get into crime and try to keep afloat kind of thing so um, yeah I heard good things about that actually so this is actually an interesting pick for this movie um, yeah oh, cool. I should watch Little Woods soon to get, a, get an opinion on the director uh, so yeah apologies to Nia for calling her Nick I, <laughs> I don't know where that came from uh, next up Chris Peckover and I'm saying that name right Chris Peckover who directed Better Watch Out that Christmas movie where the, the kid was the villain Oh yeah, we did it on the show, okay. um, right? Which wasn't a bad. Like, there were some things in that movie that were kind of a fun idea. Uh, I don't think the execution was all there, but there was. Yeah, it wasn't the moments. worst, but there was moments. Yeah. Uh, so he's put. He's done another horror movie. Uh, it's called Limbo, okay. and it's a oh, horror okay. thriller set. Uh, it's just been given a green light by Miramax, uh, Barnyard mm. Projects, and Snoot Entertainment. This is uh, well, I, I'm getting all these stories from bloody disgusting, but this is originating from Deadline. Uh, Limbo tells the terrifying story of a young mother whose body becomes possessed by something evil, rendering her a disembodied spirit and a ghost in her own house. As this demonic double takes over her life and threatens to harm her family, she must find a way to protect her loved ones while also finding a way back to her body before it's too late. So what's interesting about this is this is a possession movie, but we're actually following it seemingly from the perspective of the person who's been possessed as like her spirits oh. become separate from her body as the demon or whatever is inside it oh that actually does sound pretty cool it's an interesting um, twist on it yeah. um so yeah i'm cautiously interested yeah i'll definitely uh, uh yeah it, it's kind of interesting because better watch out uh yeah like you said uh, there's some okay stuff in there it wasn't the worst thing in the world but it's definitely not enough to make me excited uh, about the director's next movie but the premise definitely sounds interesting enough where um yeah, you know, definitely. I, I would call myself, I guess, mildly excited for this. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that could be cool. Yeah, maybe it might be a little cooler if it was actually about them playing the game Limbo, uh, not the video game, but the like. How low you know, can you go? Yeah. <laughs> and that'd be great if you're possessed, because then you know you can just do that like typical like you know quick snapback kind of thing they always do in horror movies. I I was just joking actually on the. Uh on the ace uh, recently about the terminator mm -hmm. franchise saying that the producers uh that was their motto with that franchise is how low can we go because each sequel <laughs> after two just kept getting worse and worse um that said though having rewatched terminator 3 i think salvation might be better than that because three three is not age well if you if you think terminator 3 was the watchable one i guarantee you if you watch <laughs> it now you're going to feel like oh no this is even worse than i remember <laughs> i i remember like mildly liking it when it came out but the, yeah, I haven't seen it since then. <laughs> the comedy in it is going to make you cringe bad. Ugh. Ugh. And it was never good yeah. at the time, but it's even worse now. Yeah. Even All worse right. now. Well, <laughs> no need to go back then. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
Hmm. Next up. Dark Star Pictures has acquired North American rights to Coco D. Coco Da. Which, <laughs> if nothing else, will be my, that'll be my favourite title to say when we eventually review this. Coco D. Coco Da. Uh, it's Is that like the, a song? It uh, sounds like one, doesn't it? Um, so they plan to release this in November. Uh, Johannes Nilholm's sci-fi horror film that is similar in vain to Happy Death Day. Uh, so, in fact, a Hollywood Reporter described it as pl- it plays like the bastard offspring of Groundhog Day and the Babadook. Interesting. Okay. Interesting <laughs> description. In the film, El- uh, Ellen and Tobias. Do you know these are spelled? These these names are spelled in a way that make me think this is foreign. Although I don't see if it's uh, actually says it as anywhere in this. I could just be reading into this too much. Anyway, uh, Ellen and Tobias are a happily married couple who regularly vacation with their young daughter. The family is on a dreamy holiday when an innocuous case of food poisoning derails their plans and forever alters the course of their lives. Three years later, the the once loving couple is on the road again to go camping. Look, I, I think this means the daughter dies in the opening. I think that's what that mean, this means to me, is that the daughter dies and they're depressed couple after this. Uh, they go camping, looking for one last chance to go back to the way things used to be. But what, but what was once lost, uh, and their characters instead find themselves having to relive the same nightmarish events as that day, and the horrors it brings repeat themselves in- infinitely. Together, they must overcome their trauma, reconcile with their past, and fight for their lives over and over and over again. Was Joe? Joe was actually interested about this description. Is I actually totally get why they're comparing it to the Babadook because this is totally mm-hmm. a movie about grief. It's totally about mm-hmm. getting over the what I'm assuming is the loss of the daughter, whilst also mm-hmm. wrapping it up in a Groundhog Day style sort of plot. Could could be interesting. It sounds like an emotional, depressing version of Happy Death Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Happy Death Day was good, but it was like, uh, yeah, kind of a more comedic, fun take on that. It's yeah, like, it was, it was oh, yeah, why don't we do that? But <laughs> yeah, it was like hard. Um, if this is if they have to pull this off, this could actually be a very touching film if they if they really yeah. go for it. Um, the title's really good. We'll say that much. Um, Wait, what was the title again? Coco uh, D, Coco Da. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> okay yeah actually this is a foreign movie because it says north american right so that that implies it's a foreign movie mm. okay maybe i'm maybe, maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm reading into it too much i think between the, the character names uh because ellen spelled e-l-i-n and then coco d coco da it's making me think it's foreign but it may not be we'll see we'll see uh so yeah so that's uh coco d coco da sounds interesting Mm-hmm. Probably the most interesting thing we've talked about so far, I think. Uh, next up, Adam Corson, who recently appeared in an episode of John Peel's revival of Twilight Zone. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, he's going to be the lead actor in an indie creature feature called The Stairs from director mm. Peter Drago, or sorry, Peter Drago uh, Tiemann. Uh, so... <laughs> The stairs. What is it like? Monster set of stairs coming after people. We did that trailer for the, <laughs> the tables. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe the stairs is like stairs coming after people. Uh, the film starts in 1997 when 11 year old Jesse and Grandpa Jean go on a hunting oh. trip deep in the woods. While tracking a deer, Jesse and Jean are separated as the shadows of the forest grow deeper. Jean finds the deer, and Jesse finds something only a little boy's nightmares are made of. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Just a little boy's nightmares. 
Given it says it starts in 1997, I assume that's all the prologue, and then little boy Jesse grows up to be our age. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, uh, hey, uh, you know, I like a good uh, creature feature, so this could be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, it says this. It says under, it was a separate paragraph, so sorry. Oh. <laughs> Fast forward 20 years, and a group of hikers led by brothers Nick and Josh set off in the very same woods. Unfortunately for them, nothing goes as planned. They come face to face with the very same creature Jesse discovered all these years ago. Or maybe Jesse dies. Maybe Jesse doesn't survive. <laughs> okay. Because Jesse's not in this group of characters. Oh, well. Maybe he's still out there. Maybe he becomes the monster. <gasps> Interesting. I'm sorry. I've just I've figured out your twist. Maybe I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I mean, uh, I'm very interested though. Why is it called the stairs if it seems to mostly take place in the woods? There's a mysterious set of stairs just sitting mm-hmm. in the woods. And that is like a uh, kind of like a whole genre of like creepy pastas uh, about like stairs just that, that appear in the middle of the woods. And there was even a one of the seasons of Channel Zero even uh, talked about that. Yeah, so. the shit, the shit season. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that one was really, really bad. Yeah, it was really bad. But they came back with the season after. I like the the fourth season. I never saw the fourth one. I'll have to check it out it's, at some point. But the third one was really yeah. bad. It, it's definitely worth going back to. Uh, I like the first two. I enjoyed I enjoyed Candle Cove and um, uh, No End House. I enjoyed those two. Yeah, yeah. The, I love the. Uh, they're short too, so it's not like uh, you're committing to like a, you know, oh, yeah. twenty-two episode season or even like a thirteen episode season can take a while. It's six episodes, in and out. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, you've got the attention span of Tim. I mean, that's important. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> next up, we got some casting for James Wan's horror movie, uh, Annabelle mm. Wallace, uh, or sorry, Annabelle Wallace rather, uh, who was actually an Annabelle. She was the main character, in the, the, the first Annabelle, oh, okay. uh, is going to star in it. Um, so th- this is James Wan directed, though, so I'm not worried uh, for the record. So <laughs> that's basically all we have in that. But then there was a second casting, uh, which is uh, British actor George Young's also landed uh, the male lead role in. Uh, the film but with this we got a little bit more information because we got a title at least a tentative title uh mm-hmm. the film right now is being referred to as silver cup interesting okay and it actually has this is a this is a the vaguest of vague plots but it does say <laughs> pl- plot details are being under wraps but rumors claim it will follow two women on the run from a monster okay so we're piecing mm-hmm. it together we're getting little bits here or there yeah I, do you know what i actually i'm excited for this I'm intrigued by the fact that this sounds like it's more of a monster and less of a, a ghost. Because, you know, Wan's horror movies up until now have mostly been, you know, at least the, the, in recent, like the recent decade, it's all been Conjuring, Insidious, and all that kind of thing. So I'm intrigued by him doing a creature feature, if that's indeed what he's, indeed what he's doing. Yeah, and uh, it'll be nice to see, like, an, uh, you know, another original thing from him, because, yeah, all, all the yeah. last kind of couple of things have been sequels or um you know even aquaman obviously you know is based on an existing property uh, so cool that you know he's uh, back to doing something original yeah and remember if you if you remember right he did say that this was going to be able to have a lot of practical effects and a monster movie would yeah. you know uh, lend itself to that quite a bit hmm. um next up august maturo who recently starred as daniel in the uh in the nun he's i think he's the, the kid in the nun <laughs> Has been cast as the lead okay. character in the upcoming horror feature. It's an indie film called Slapface. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> uh, okay. Material play a boy who deals with the loss of his mother by creating a relationship with a dangerous monster. 
Interesting. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jeremiah Kip is going to direct. He directed Painkiller and Black Wake, neither of which I've heard of. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's it. They're very short and sweet, but um, Slapface is too good a title not to not to tell people about. So, <laughs> sounds like uh, if I didn't know any better, I'd say that sounds like an internet thing, <laughs> like. I know, like, oh yeah, kids today love slap face. Yeah. Oh yeah, it does. Doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> next up, uh, Darren Lynn Bowsman, who's of course directing the reboot for Saw, but has Chris Rock and oh, who else? Who's the other guy that was cast in Sam, it? Sam uh, Jackson. With Samuel Jackson, yeah. Um, so he's actually got another film coming out before that. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, Deadline reported that Saban Films have acquired the North American rights. And Saban Films, I mean, that, that's like the Power Rangers company, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. is weird. Uh, so they've got the rights to uh, Death of Me, which they're going to release uh, sometime in 2020, presumably before Saw comes out. Uh, this is one of these cases where it's maybe been shopped around for a while, so it's going to end up coming out quite close to his next film. But the film serves on a couple and an exotic holiday who awaken one morning with a hangover and no recollection of what transpired. When playing back the video of their previous night, they learn they participated in a ritual that somehow ended with the husband murdering the wife, though she's actually very much alive. And this is going to star Maggie Q and Luke Hemsworth, the third Hemsworth, oh my, <laughs> who you may know from Westworld if you've not seen him before. Um, and of course, Maggie Q has been in a bunch of stuff. She's pretty good, usually. Joe was interested about this is that reading this makes me think of two things. It makes me think of The Hangover cross with uh, Book of Shadows, yeah. Blair Witch 2. <laughs> that's the two things this makes me think of yeah. um, which uh, doesn't yeah. mean it'll be bad I mean that could be good yeah I mean honestly that's not not a bad premise but again you know who knows uh, how it'll turn out I'm really you know not too familiar with the director and stuff um, yeah I mean cool idea but well, you could seen, easily go either way you've seen at least four films he's made Oh, because he did the other Saw movies? He did Saw 2, 3, and 4, which, oh, yeah. you know, not that, not good. Um, I do, I did ha- right. I did quite like the first Collector, though, for, for all its faults. Mm. But, I mean... It's not a fan, but... I know. Yeah. All right, now less excited then. <laughs> uh, who, who knows, though? Oh, it could be a nice little surprise. Yeah, a couple of quick release date uh, changes next. Um, oh. Bloomhouse and Sony Pictures are doing a Fantasy Island movie, and you're like... But, but Peter, that's not a horror movie. No, they're saying it's going to be a horror version of Fantasy Island, um, okay. which Michael Rooker is going to be in, of all people. So, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, along with uh, Lucy Hale and Michael Pena, who are actually playing the, the lead characters. But Michael Rooker is the one in the photo, and he's the most interesting one. So uh, that's mm. who I'm mentioning. Uh, so, yeah. Da, 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 da. Oh, sorry. What else was Lucy Hale in? The name sounds familiar. Uh, Truth or Dare. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which we did. Uh, not a lot of plot details, but it seems like there's going to be a killer running about in the island while the fantasy stuff's going on, so that could be interesting. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's actually uh, Jeff Wadlow who directed Truth or Dare who's directing this, so... No, I mean, I'm assuming that you never actually watched uh, the Fantasy Island show. No, I, right? I have literally never seen a second of it. <laughs> Do you know what like, the premise is? Because like, the premise is bizarre. Yeah, isn't it like people come to the island and they literally get their fantasies? Or well, like I mean, because you know, growing up, like you know, uh, I always like heard jokes about it because like you know, in the '90s, people loved to make fun of like sitcoms from like the '70s or I don't know if this was an '80s things, but it feels kind of '70s-ish. But um, 
you know, I always heard jokes about it, but I always just assumed it was like some rich guy that, you know, people would come to the island and he would, you know, kind of fulfill whatever they desired. But I think it is like a some weird thing where like the the guy that runs the island, like it might be like a god or the devil or something. Like there's like some weird supernatural aspect uh, for it, I believe. I, I could be totally wrong, but I, I think I've heard like it is kind of bizarre like that <laughs> played by uh ricardo montalban uh who who was can right yeah uh, and, and, and just star trek sure. movies and stuff um please, please don't mention star trek <laughs> why <laughs> star trek sucks <laughs> no one wants to hear about it <laughs> oh. Oh. i just I, I i'm know sorry what... star trek is so stupid <laughs> Star Trek is is great, all right. Star Trek no, is no. <laughs> Star Trek has way more life in it than Star Wars ever did, and I'm gonna... it's, no, that's the opposite. It's the most boring thing. Like, I guess if you really, <sighs> really need a nap, <laughs> you can feel free to watch Star Trek. But Star Trek is proper science fiction. It is ex- exploration. It is 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 the examination of the human condition and all of our faults i mean there's a lot of bad episodes sure but there's a lot of great episodes so <laughs> well, yeah i mean that's why star trek or that's why science fiction sucks <laughs> no one cares about that stuff <laughs> you shut your face you f- do you know what do you know what i know tara actually does watch screams after midnight she's going to be so pissed at you. Yeah. <laughs> she's going to be so pissed at you uh when she she's on that. my side she hates star trek <laughs> what <laughs> it's our favorite thing ever <laughs> Tara's got two things. She has Star Trek and Mystery Science Theater. Well, one of those is great. <laughs> oh, dear. Come on. Come on. Do you know what Star Wars doesn't have? doesn't have William Shatner. Therefore, it is inferior. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, because everyone knows William Shatner is a good actor. William Shatner is a presence. How can you... You can't sit there... Like, William Shatner is the sci-fi equivalent of Bruce Campbell. And you you love Bruce Campbell, so you can't sit there and say shit. <laughs> can't sit there and say shit. Anyway, I don't even get to the, 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 the bit of the news here. It's now coming out February 14th, 2020. Oh, Valentine's Day. It was going to be the 28th, but now it's the 14th. They've pushed it up to Valentine's Day. I guess they see Valentine's potential. In what movie was it? <laughs> Fantasy Island. God damn it, Tim. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> and then likewise, we've got a slight change on, on The Invisible Man, uh, the Lee Vinyl film, which was... Which was coming out <laughs> on March 2020, but is now finally enough, oh. which has now moved to Fantasy Island's previous release date, which is the February 28th of 2020. So... Uh, this is also a universal distributed film, so they've basically like moved Fantasy Island to Valentine's Day, and then they've moved Invisible Man to take this that movie's previous slot. Um, interesting, they're doing two horror movies two weeks apart, but I guess you know, like I guess they want to for some reason. Oh, February twentieth is uh, two of my friends' birthdays, so they can ditch both of them and go see Invisible Man instead. <laughs> um, so, uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen's going to be in it as the lead. Also, Elizabeth Moss, Storm Reid, Aldous Hodge, and Harriet Dyer. Um, I'm actually pretty excited about this Invisible Man movie. I'm, I'm, the idea of the Invisible Man basically being a stalker to his ex-girlfriend actually sounds kind of great. And yeah. Moss is a good good actress to sell that. So, Yeah, definitely interesting in this one. Yeah. Um, next up... Uh, Peter Strickland's horror film, In Fabric, 
uh, premiered last year at the Toronto Film Festival. Well, the International Film Festival, if I say it properly. Um, yeah, uh, In Fabric tells the story of a lonely woman played by Jean ba- Baptiste who visits a London department store in search of a dress that will transform her life. <laughs> Uh, she ends up cursed by the the, the dress, though. That's uh, basically the thing. Uh, anyway, so oh. the news is the A24 is uh, set to release the film on December 6th. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's coming right at the end of the year. So you can look forward to that. I will. <laughs> Excellent news. Excellent news. Which does take us on to a few trailers, which we'll round out the news with. Uh, mm-hmm. First trailer is for a film... Uh, called Villains, which stars Bill Skarsgård and Maika Monroe, um, who, of course, both been prominent figures in the horror genre recently. Maika Monroe, of course, was the lead in that follows, one of the best horror movies um, of the last, like, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years. <laughs> it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skarsgård, of course, is, is Pennywise in, in the It movies. Um, so this is coming out on September 20th, and we got a trailer this week. In Villains, Mickey and Jules are lovers on the run, headed southbound for a fresh start in the sunshine state. When their car dies after a gas station robbery, they break into a nearby house looking for a new set of wheels. What they find instead is a dark secret and a sweet as pie pair of homeowners who will do anything to keep it from getting out. So yeah, basically they they break into a house, but it turns out the middle-aged couple that live there are absolute complete psychopaths, and they end up being you know so that <laughs> even though they're they're on the run criminals, they end up kind of being the heroes of the movie. It looks a bit. It's it's kind of a horror comedy. There's definitely some proper horror stuff, but it does have a sense of humour. Uh, and the, the trailer yeah. definitely plays to that. How did you feel about the trailer, Timmy? I actually like this one a lot. Uh, I, yeah, I think I had heard the title before, but didn't really know much about it. But um, yeah, this is definitely one I'm, I'm really interested in seeing. Um, it just seems like it has a you know a nice, interesting tone. Like you know, it seems like there's a little bit of um, you know, like a little bit of style there, and like looks like there's you know going to be some kind of like fun, like you know, snarkiness you know between both kind of sets of characters, and also looks like there's like you know gonna be like a lot of surprises like uh i thought it was a pretty good trailer where you get a little bit of uh, an idea about kind of the mystery but i'm sure there's gonna be like plenty of you know twists and turns as to where it goes so uh yeah i'd say i'm pretty excited for this one yeah they've got a girl in their basement but it's unclear if she's like held there against her will or if she's actually you know like because the girl herself seems like she might be dangerous like it's it's kind of unclear in the, the trailer itself but yeah, I have no idea if, you know, she's, like, a part of that family, if uh, she, yeah, <laughs> hates them, if she uh, is working with them, against them. I don't know if she has maybe some type of weird supernaturalness to her. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, interesting stuff about Joe, it. it reminds me of a little bit. It reminds me of, uh, did you ever see A Perfect Host with uh, Niles from Frasier? And <laughs> a, guy breaks, a guy breaks into his house, but Niles turns out to be, like, this vicious serial killer or whatever. And it's like the, the guy is just <laughs> held captive and tortured and all sorts. Uh, I, I haven't, but that actually sounds great. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I would I, like to see that. <laughs> I, I joked a lot that this was what happened to Niles after Daphne left him at some point. He, he went nuts. Because he's, he's actually very Niles-like in the sense that he's like, you know, this upper class, you know, has classical music mm-hmm. playing, he's drinking wine. <laughs> like, he, he's Niles. <laughs> he feels like Niles until he yeah. starts torturing this criminal. Um, so... What? No, villains, it's okay. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and it sounds like we might have to do Perfect Host at some point, too. <laughs> yeah, we probably should. Um, so next up, uh, yeah, so the, the trailer for this one is not actually that intriguing on its own. It's called Ambition. 
and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a quick, it's a quick minute or so trailer the teaser trailer uh, but what's interesting about this is that Bob Shea, who has been a long-time producer and the head of uh, New Line Cinema, uh, or was the head of New Line Cinema, uh, big producer, he is actually the director of this movie. And, of course, his wife, Lynn Shea, who you'll know from you know the Insidious movies and well, other things. Sister, sister. <laughs> oh, sister, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I always assumed it was his wife. I actually didn't know it was his sister. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, sister. <laughs> oh, no, mate. Oh. I feel a fool, Tim. Uh, I feel a fool. Uh, you're, you're correct, though. Like, they, you know, obviously are very, uh, you know, close, and she appears in, like, a lot of his movies and stuff. Yes, yes. Not as close as I thought, admittedly, but, yes, pretty, pretty close. Uh, so, yeah, so he's actually directing this film called Ambition. Uh, you got Catherine Hughes in it, Giles Matthews, uh, Sonoya Mizuno, Dylan McNamara, Kiana Simone Simpson, John Croft, Brian Batt, and a special appearance by Lynn Shelley. Like she gets like, yeah. a little special appearance again. <laughs> so Jude is an intense, driven musician preparing for the biggest performance of her life, but her ambition could end up killing her as her competitors begin to die bizarre deaths. She recognizes a pattern that seems to connect her. What? She recognizes a pattern that seems to connect her. Full stop. <laughs> okay. That's a weird sentence. Is she next? Yeah. Her suspicions are confirmed in a shocking climax that puts into question her chances <laughs> for her survival and her sanity. Uh, seeing another movie about a violinist makes me think of the perfection or the perfect yeah. that we did recently. Yeah, no, it, it's super... Well, I mean, obviously this has happened plenty of times where you get you know two similar movies around the same time, but it is definitely weird to see... Uh, yeah, you know, such a very specific kind of, you know, setting or characters, uh, you know, in two horror movies around the same time. Um, I, I also, like, I'm laughing because, like you were saying earlier before, where, like, the description was, you know, touting the director as an officiato. It's funny here where, you know, they're bragging about how shocking the climax is, like... Mm-hmm. Oh, like, even if you know, don't worry. You gotta keep watching the movie until you get to the climax because it's crazy. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, um, yeah. I'll, I'll say though, this trailer uh, really didn't do too much for me. Um, I mean, you know, I like a lot of the movies that Bob Shea uh, produced, but I mean, uh, doesn't really tell me much about how you know his directing is gonna be. And the trailer, uh, I mean, I feel like it could be okay. Um, but it could easily not be that good. Uh, it, it's hard to say because there wasn't anything about it that, like, you know, it, it looked kind of like just a generic horror trailer, honestly. Um, which, I mean, you know, sometimes the trailers are trailers. You know, it could be in the movie actually ends up being, like, kind of good. But uh, I think more often than not, it, you know, it's, it seems like it'll maybe just be, like, okay at best. No, I mean, it's a lot of quick cuts. There's not a whole lot to get from it. Um Oh, and for the record, though, I do I do like Lin Shay, so it's always a pleasure, you know, to see her. You know, even if I'm assuming she probably isn't a huge part, but yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's it's always fun to see her and stuff. Uh, but I don't know, it could be fine, <laughs> could not be. I'd love to be surprised and have it rule, but who knows? Yeah, so that's coming out on September twentieth. Coming to VOD. So, jeez, yeah. yeah, everything is so soon. <laughs> I know, I know, all these movies are just coming out so, so soon. And then the final trailer we're going to talk about is a film called Antlers. Uh, which has been produced by your boy, uh, Guillermo yeah. del Toro. Uh, it's based on a short story called The Quiet Boy, uh, Nick and... and Oh, speaking of... We mentioned Channel Zero a couple of times. It's the Channel Zero dude uh, who's directing oh, this. Hey. Uh, Nick and... 
Soka and Soka and Socha. I, I don't know how to say his name, <laughs> but he he's a director in this. Um, also, no, he's the writer. He wrote the short story. Director Scott Cooper is uh, making the film, uh, and it's releasing in twenty twenty. Uh, teaser trailer came out, and Antler's a small town Oregon teacher played by Kerry Russell and her brother Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons. Oh, I don't even see him in the trailer. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, see him. Uh, the local sheriff become entwined with a young student named Jer- or played by Jeremy T. Thomas, harboring a dangerous secret with frightening consequences. It looks like he befriends some kind of uh, some kind of dangerous monster and mm-hmm. starts feeding it. That's what I was getting from the trailer. But I mean, mm-hmm. how, how do you feel about the trailer? Uh, honestly, I'm a little mixed because there is a lot of like you know buzzwords in there that get me excited. Uh, you know, you're throwing out Guillermo del Toro. Um, you know, you're throwing out this kind of idea of like, you know, a monster. And I, I don't know. I this one kind of sound kind of weird, but I like antlers. I like animals <laughs> that have antlers. So uh, I like you know characters that have antlers. Uh, you know, uh, so that kind of got me excited. Um, oh my god! But <laughs> what? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> You ever read Sweet Tooth? Sweet Tooth is great. I have read uh, Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth is a pretty good book, yeah. but Hellboy, it's not really antlers; they're more like horns. But I don't know if there's that much of a difference. And you know, same thing with Goatman. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I like <laughs> how I like how you casually mentioned your own character next to Hellboy, as if, as if it's on the same same level. Hey, they are. <laughs> how dare you? Uh, issue issue two is coming soon, people. <laughs> I just finished, you know, I did all the lettering in one day. I was very happy with myself. Oh, I, was, I was about to say you're, you're, you're on the lettering just now. I didn't realize you'd already finished the lettering, but oh, there you go. I was I was planning to do it over the next couple of days, and I, I just got on a roll yesterday. Is, is, is that uh, is that the is that, is that the end of the – obviously printing it. Is that the, the end of the for, – For this one, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's just a two-issue story, uh, and then – you know, oh, no, I, 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 like a... I, I just meant in the process of doing a comic is lettering the last thing. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Almost. Uh, I have because uh, uh, Mario's doing the cover again, so he's still working on it. So I got to wait for the cover to be done, and then I just have like a few uh, printer preparation stuff. Like I just have to kind of okay. uh, format it. But yeah, very very close. Um, but yeah, as uh, and then uh, as planning on taking like a break afterwards, but then I got an idea for something else I want to get out before the end of the year. So no no rest for the talented i suppose the drive of the creative um, mind timmy the drive <laughs> of the creative mind uh but yeah back back to antlers though so uh yeah so, so all this stuff i really uh like and it's it's stuff that you know should get me excited watching the trailer though uh i kind of got into the mindset of okay this will either be like it i i think if it's going the way the trailer presents it then it'll probably be something i love but i also get the feeling like this could be one of those things where you know uh it it looks like it's a certain way like it's gonna be like this kind of weird creature feature woodsy horror kind of thing small town horror but then i could also see it going like being like really slow and you know just kind of you know focusing on this kid and maybe being a thing where it's like oh um you know, is it in his mind? Is this like a disturbed kid or, or something? You know what I mean? Like, I, I could see yeah, it maybe that, being like. This was definitely the most, um, like, 
I don't know, Hollywood-looking movie of the trailer yeah. we watched. This, this, this look. I mean, it's Fox Searchlight, and to be a Fox, Fox Searchlight tend to put out d- decent stuff. Like they're, well, they're they did. <laughs> well, they, well, yeah. I mean, once Disney acts it, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, um, but you got X Men in the Marvel universe back, guys. That was worth it, right? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Oh, uh, still, still annoyed about all that. Anyway, um, so yeah, like, um, it looks okay. It looks the sort of thing that could end up being good, but I, I do worry that it's going to be a little bit too mainstream and neutered. Um, and yeah. unlike you, I'm not a big Del Toro fan, so his involvement <laughs> doesn't like fill me with any confidence. <laughs> well, I mean, it's always hard with like produced stuff because it's like, uh, I, I think, um. <laughs> Like if I go back with the stuff that he's produced, uh, I, I think it's probably a lot of stuff that you would hate. But uh, there's, uh, I think for the most part, like I, I generally tend to, uh, at least like it somewhat. But it's always with producers, though. It's always like, uh, all right, are they actually hands on the project, or is it just something they threw their name on? You know, hmm. so it's kind of hard to tell. Interestingly, the director of this, he's not done a horror movie before. He did Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges. Which I saw, okay. which, which was basically the wrestler, but with a country music singer instead. Um, and he also did that Joy Depp movie, Black Mass, where he was like a, a gangster. Uh, um, yeah, the what's his face, uh, Whitey Bulger movie, I think. Yeah, uh, well, and that was that was kind of unfortunate for him because it was right around the time Joy Depp started having a lot of trouble in the media, so the movie kind mm-hmm. of got oddly buried. Yeah, Out of the Furnace with uh, Christian Bale, which I never saw, but looked okay huh. from the trailer so he's done a lot of like sort of gritty crime and thriller mm. things and the last thing he did was hostels which i never saw but that also has got a cast in it uh roseman pike so scott shepherd um mm. 1882 legendary army captain reluctantly <laughs> agrees to escort a shane chief and his family to a dangerous territory yeah that sounds okay it's got a decent uh, average rating on imdb as well so he, he seems mm. like he's a pretty solid director but he's never done a horror movie mm. before which is at least interesting. Like, you know, is he good at it or is this like, maybe yeah. his weak his weak spot kind of thing? Um, uh, I, I would say I'm, like, pretty excited for this. I'm just not 100% sold. Like, uh, I, I can see it maybe not going the direction I want. Uh, the very, very slight glimpse we get of the monster towards the end, I did love. I, I thought it looked really cool. But, um, yeah, that's fair. A, again, it, it's one of those things, though, where it's like that little shot looked cool, but... Um, and also, I, I don't know if, you know, once you see it in action, if it's going to be like a lot of CGI and maybe not look as good, who knows? Yeah. Um, so if you need any inspiration to go and follow the Screams uh, After Midnight Twitter, which is at Screams Midnight <laughs> for anyone, uh, Tim, I've just noticed, put up a post before we started today <laughs> called Elevated Horror. And it was just the four posters of movies based on elevators. Uh, you know, such as Devil, the Shyamalan produced one, and a movie called Elevator, which I've never heard of, but I do love the tagline. It says, some buttons should never be pushed. That's that's a really funny tagline, actually. I'll give it that. Uh, there's one called The Lift, which I've never heard of, but that's how that's how you say it in the UK. So is that a British film? Might be. I don't know. Uh, and then The Shaft, which honestly sounds a bit more like a, a porno, to be honest. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Um, Naomi Watts is in that, though. That's not Naomi Watts horror movie. That that sounds crazy. And then I didn't realize, I, I, you know, I thought I was just putting one of my, you know, classic funny posts. But after I did it, I was like, hmm, maybe this, 
Maybe there should be a vote at some point. Uh, a vote, vote on Patreon <laughs> for elevator-based horror movies. Oh, my. All right. Well, that wraps up uh, the news, folks. Star Trek sucks. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you, you can... You can, uh, you can yeah, stick around to hear about the Headhunter. Uh, Headhunter <laughs> is a very low-budget movie. This is one that Tim brought to my mm. attention because uh, he actually he said to me, "said Hey, is this a horror movie? <laughs> Can we do this on screens?" Well, well, I think uh, we we were trying to decide what we we're going to do next week, and I was like, "Well, I'm really excited about this movie, uh, so I- I'm going to be watching it." But I don't know if you want to take a look at it just to make sure because it's you know, like sometimes the these type of movies can kind of you know skirt the line between like is it like a horror movie or is it more of a kind of actiony you know like movie where someone's like fighting monsters instead of yeah as opposed to like a a scary horror movie or whatever so i watched the trailer and i i i I concurred that it seemed like a horror movie uh especially in the back half of the trailer so we we decided to do the headhunter and it's a very low budget film it was made Mm -hmm. i I checked on imdb assuming that's accurate it was made for thirty thousand dollars which is Minuscule, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to put this in perspective, Halloween is a low budget movie. If it's, Halloween's a very low budget movie, Halloween in 1978 was made for three hundred thousand dollars, and that was low then. Thirty thousand dollars, especially now, is nothing for a movie. Absolutely like, nothing. Yeah, that's like walking around money. <laughs> the, the, like... the, the only thing that may have that beat is the first uh, Paranormal Activity. Because that was like okay. dirt cheap as well. Because you know I was in a house with a camera. <laughs> like that's all it yeah. was. Um, and it's it's funny because the the first thing that I think we have to talk about with this this movie is <laughs> how it looks. Because mm-hmm. uh, I mean I should probably give you the premise. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. uh, the headhunter is that it's medieval times. It's, it's kind of a horror fantasy movie, and it's this this hunter who his daughter is killed by a monster and he's, he wants revenge on that monster. He's killing various monsters, but he wants the, the head of the monster that killed his daughter. And that's the premise. So, here's the thing. So, even within the first couple of minutes, I was kind of gobsmacked with how this movie looks, given mm-hmm. how cheap it is. Yeah, I... Uh, I, I'm assuming you mean that that's a good thing because I thought it looked beautiful. I was oh yeah, very yeah, impressed. yeah. No, no, it, it looks fantastic, and it, yeah. I think it comes back because there's there's so many like movies that are like low budget but are much 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 higher budget than this, right? And yeah, yeah. like they look like shit. They look like absolute shit. And I, I think something like this just proves that it's the right people making the thing can do do a lot with little. They they can definitely, yeah. Um. It's not just this this cookie cutter. Okay, this is what you're supposed to do when you have this budget. No, no, no. They 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 went out their way to try and make it look as good as possible. Now the 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 opposite to this is that yeah, like as someone who knows a little bit about filmmaking, I'm like yeah, like of course this is set in the woods. <laughs> like there's nowhere else they could film a movie this cheaply outside of their own house. Like it, it, it's, it was it's supposed a... to be a spaceship originally, but then they were like, uh, <laughs> we can't make that work. Yeah, but it's actually got some really nice locations. They've got some mountain areas. They've got some you know woodland areas. Uh, but here's the thing: most cheap movies that are shot in the woods because they're cheap look terrible. This right away has 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 an image. It has character. It has an atmosphere. Uh, the, the entire mu- movie from start to finish is basically beautiful. Um. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> that's probably where my praise ends, mm-hmm. for the most part. Okay. Uh, well, Tim, did you enjoy the Headhunter? I mean, I guess I'll ask you that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say I, I did enjoy it. Uh, I agree with you. It's definitely a, a good-looking movie. Um, I, uh, I, I feel like I, I did want maybe a little bit more out of it, and I'm assuming... 
you know, the stuff, I'm assuming my complaints are probably due, you know, to budget stuff. Because uh, I think, like, my big complaint is just, like, I, I wanted to see more, you know. Like, uh, mm. you see a lot of the aftermath of, you know, these fights and stuff that he that he has. Um, but, you know, you very seldom kind of see it. And, um, you know, I... I think, you know, I, I was getting like, you know, excited because I was like, oh, yeah, I want to I see him like fighting these cool monsters and chopping off the heads and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm assuming they're just kind of doing what they can work with, which is, you know, certainly understandable. And again, I, you know, am really impressed with the filmmaking and what they're able to do with this budget. So, yeah, it, it's a, you know, it, it it's like a, I don't want to come down like hard and be oh, like, sure. you know, it, it sucks. But, uh, like, yeah, I. I, I I have like respect for how this movie looks and how much effort went into it on a technical level. I think the obviously the problem you said there that you other than the ending, other than the final thing that happens, right? The final mm-hmm. thing that he fights, you don't yeah. see any of the fights. They're, they're, it's all just like he comes back with the head. That that is you know to the point where it's kind of repetitious. Where you know like the horn goes off, he goes out and starts you know hunting and he comes back and he's all kind of beat up but he's got a head like that, that that's yeah. basically <laughs> like the the formula for the first chunk of the movie and it, it is not a long movie it's 70 minutes long um i i, I here's the thing I, I feel like the premise of this movie and the the, the amount of story that it actually has mm-hmm. is a 20 minute short film that has been stretched out to a 70 minute movie to call it a movie sure because yeah, no, I think that's fair. Because yeah. I, I was okay with it being one character and being quiet and just like getting the plot from what he's doing. Like I was into that, and I was into that for like 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then by the time he came back, like a second time with the head, I'm like, wait, we're just doing that again. And it, it felt like it was just yeah. going through some motions. And it's really beautiful because at one point when he sets out on a journey and you see these mountain areas and you see, you know, like him walking around with like a torch and like the, the flames like lighting him up. It looks mm-hmm. great and. I, I just I feel like these are really talented technical filmmakers, and I think mm-hmm. w- one of two things would have fixed this. One is more money, so they could actually have more monster fights. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a bigger problem actually is just that it needs more story. It needs more script. It needs more. Mm-hmm. Um, you I mean you can have just this little story, but with more visual things going on. Uh, but I think yeah. what, what it needs more than that though is. More actual story, whether that's in the form of actually having another character that you can talk to, so we can actually mm-hmm. bounce things off of each other and actually have some sort of progression. Um, that that's fair. But if you actually look at the movie in terms of his growth as a character, it's just mm-hmm. kind of like he's angry and he's angry and he's he's, he's getting, fighting bigger and bigger things, and then he finally gets to the thing that he wants to fight, and then there's, a, there's like an extended horror sequence because this thing's a bit scarier, and that's the movie. Yeah. It. It, it, it's funny because obviously we just finished doing Tales from the Crypt uh, I mean they're not all up yet by the time you see this probably but like this kind of felt like is a really serious dark episode of Tales from the Crypt stretched out to 70 minutes I see that. Yeah. you know uh, I, I don't know if I needed the 45-50 minutes of build up before the the creature that he eventually fights yeah like because uh, I, I really like the, the ending sequence and uh I and and it's a you know it's a very simplistic thing, but I think it is uh, effective, uh, especially you know in the way it, that it's kind of shot and stuff. Uh, so I do think that was cool, and yeah, it's like you said the I think maybe like the first fifteen or twenty minutes or so, it, you know, is a decent enough build up. Like once you get the, you know, uh, once you start to see what the idea is. Okay, horn blows, he goes and fights a monster, comes back, puts its head on the wall, and. Uh, I like that, but 
yeah, you definitely don't really need to see it more than once. No, like, you get... uh, it, unless you're going to actually see some fights or something. And uh, yeah, I think maybe you could have done, you know, something like you could have had more flashbacks. You could have had him talking to someone in the castle or the town or whatever. Yeah, more... uh, like you said, to get a little more character development. In yeah, there. yeah. In fact, the obvious thing to do really is to like have flash more flashbacks with the daughter and actually have the relationship with the daughter and maybe even have the night that she died and again you don't even necessarily have to yeah. see the beast killing her necessarily you just have to like have the tension the build up to it and I, don't, don't change the runtime and just cut out a lot of what's here replace it with like some actual character like drama and have us learn the story of what happened as we're watching him hunt the the beast you know like yeah do something like that just to just to sort of space it up and break it up a little bit um and and again, to be like a little, a little bit fair, like the, uh, you know, and, and you, you kind of mentioned this, like stuff already, but it, you know, it, it still does look good when he's doing it and it is still cool. It's just that it is so repetitious. Like, mm. yeah, it feels like you, you kind of watch the same scene, like about two or three times. And cause here's the thing, like, cause what I thought was going to happen, cause when he finally gets the, the message for, um, the, the, the beast that he wants, right. Mm-hmm. um they, they want vengeance on for killing his daughter you know that's the first time we actually see how he kind of gets messages it kind of implies that there is other people in this world who are close by who are relying on him to do his job and relying on him to be this this headhunter right um and that was enough that time to be like oh this is this is something that adding into it that i didn't see the previous times but mm-hmm. like the second time we see him like the horn goes he goes out and he comes back with a head it didn't add anything to what we already saw the first time. There was no like advancement yeah. to it. Like I thought the second time, okay, we'll actually see more of the journey in the fight. Like and the idea being that each time mm-hmm. it happens, we'll see a new element of it, a new facet that we didn't get before. Yeah, but there is not really any new elements because even when we do get to see him like go out and like you know go on a bit of a journey, the actual again the fight isn't seen. It's it, it gets to the point where I I, I sympathise that you you don't have the money to do like all these big fights, mm-hmm. and I'm fine with only having one at the end. But if you're only going to have one fight at the end, then I think the rest of the movie building up to that can't all just be teasing as fights and not doing them. Like, it has mm-hmm. to be something else. Like, I say you do the one at the start to establish that he brings the head back. I don't feel cheated for not seeing that one because it's just the opening sure. to int- yeah. introduce him. I think mm-hmm. then at that point, it has to be just about finding the, the other, the, the one at the end. It has to just be, and maybe there's some mm-hmm. drama building up to that. Repeatedly having us not see it, uh, is really weird and it, it kind of after a while sticks out to you i think oh yeah no definitely and uh yeah I, I think you put it well when you're saying it feels like a you know like a short film or a student film or something just stretched out uh which yeah de- definitely makes sense like if you kind of cut out you know that kind of repetitious parts and then just said like here this is a you know 30 35 minute short film or something it'd be really like impressive uh oh yeah and it, it would probably make you want more but yeah. yeah i would basically after after the opening like 10 15 minutes i would cut out like the next 35 minutes 40 minutes yeah and just go straight to the last chunk and it would be a really impressive short movie that's really simple because it is a really simple plot there's not a whole lot of twists and turns there's very little to actually yeah. spoil in terms of plot and and i'm actually like okay with with the plot like i think it's a yeah it's a it's simple but you know, it, it does uh, give a lot of room for, like, some cool stuff, especially, uh, you know, kind of stuff that I like to see. You know, I, I used to never really think that I um, was a big fan of, like, these kind of movies, like like barbarian, kind of medieval warrior kind of stuff. Mm. But I don't know, as, as I get older, I'm kind of like, actually, I think I do kind of like that aesthetic. Like, uh, 
you know, it's a little, um, you know, the first Castlevania is very much like a kind of like a barbarian, you know, fighting demons and monsters and stuff. But of course, this I... comes back to Castlevania. <laughs> of course, it does. Um, but then, I mean, other stuff though, like I, um, <laughs> I never actually played it, but I like the idea of The Witcher. <laughs> like that's, you know, I, like uh... I like Witcher. I'm not a big fantasy guy, but I really like Witcher. And mm-hmm. you know, the fantasy elements in this don't bother me because it's this horror focus of it. It's this idea of how difficult yeah. it is. And that makes it a bit yeah. more grounded to me than what I yeah, like. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think I like. Well, maybe I shouldn't say not like, but I'm not like a huge straight up fantasy guy. But when you mix like fantasy with horror, or even something like you know Star Wars, kind of like fantasy mixed with like sci-fi or something, like you know that's kind of I like that maybe adding like another element to it. Yeah, but this is purely just about hunting monsters, which which I like, and I, 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 it's not so much that I think there has to be more added to the plot in terms of his motivation or why he's doing what he's doing it's just that over the course of the film there's not really up up until the final you know 15 20 minutes there's nothing mm. that kind of is a challenge for him or gets in the way or something that he has to figure out or work around yeah. or like you know it's, it's not like he's presented with a, an obstacle and then he has to like think of an inventive solution to the obstacle there's no like yeah. thought process for him it's just kind of go out and keep doing what he's doing and there's no progression in his character for the whole movie until the, the, the very end, um, yeah, and you know what, you know what scene I liked, and I, I don't know, you know, it's not really spoiler, but I don't know if maybe we should just go into spoilers. Sure, <laughs> anyway. yeah, okay, full spoilers from this point on for, yeah. for the head turner. Uh, but I, I like the scene where he's actually camping out, like a, you know, with the he has the fire going, and there's like a, a dead like body next to him, and he's kind of talking to it, and mm. like even though it's just him talking, I do like that, you know, you, you're actually getting some uh you know some dialogue and it kind of feels like there's another character there oh because there's not a lot and this, this is actually probably the biggest effect in the movie is that he looks over and he sees like a, oh, a yeah. troll and you just see it for a couple of seconds just mm-hmm. walking above the trees but you know yeah it, it yeah it kind of makes it feel like uh it gives like a nice sense of the, the world that was cool yeah no that was a neat moment uh yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's funny though because when you're watching a low budget movie like this you can sort of feel like they've got enough money for two moments and that's one of them yeah. <laughs> so you're just kind of you know, waiting for the ending because you always assume I think watching this at least I did that okay most any creature effects that we're really going to see are going to be in the ending because that's what they've saved mm-hmm. them for they're, go- they're going to build yeah. up to what they think is a money shot um, <laughs> and you know, like, and I think the other problem is, is that even when he, he kills the thing, or at least he thinks he kills the thing that killed his daughter, you know, because it, it comes back, right? Because he actually gets it, he gets the head, he, you know, he has it in the, the cabin, but it disappears and sort of reforms, and that's kind of where the ending chunk well, comes from. Yeah, and he has this, um, you know, so every time he comes back from battle, like, he seems like he's very, like, badly hurt, and he kind of, like, rubs this, like, black goo on himself that I guess is, like, some type of, like, healing mm property or something and then you kind of see um that he has the head of this creature that he killed that he just kind of like yeah lays in his cabin and then uh you know that black goo kind of falls on it when the you know there's this like shutter that keeps opening and, and pushing it further further and it's kind of funny i was like oh man just like close that shutter <laughs> but just if you did none of this would happen but yeah it kind of like resurrects the the head and yeah. um yeah and, it, and it's cool and i like that the head is kind of crawling around and you know, it's just no, like, like nice little practical effect. The, and... the stuff after it, but it's like jumping out the little pool of water that's around his house, and then, um, you know, he's chasing it through the cave. That's kind of the ending. He's sort of strangling it and fighting yeah. it, and you know, rips off the skeleton from the from the head. 
and it's got this really demented kind of head look. That stuff's pretty good. I mean, admittedly, I think it failed a little bit for me just because by this point, it had been too much build up and sure. like it, it wasn't enough, right? Yeah. My bigger problem with this though is that the fact that he actually defeats it and it comes back, we don't get to see him defeat it the first time. So the thing that he's been hunting that's killed his daughter, he actually mm-hmm. deals with off camera like he has everything else and just shows back yeah. up with the head. It, it, it's really anticlimactic. It's like, wait, this was the thing you were hunting the whole time and you just did it off camera like it was nothing? That that yeah. that was the that was the one that bothered me the most. That was the one where he he just came back. He had the head. He threw it down mm-hmm. the table or whatever. I was like, I feel like we should have seen the struggle to kill this thing because this is the thing that he's been hunting. This is this is this is the personal one. Well, certainly, yeah. Uh, so and I know it's because they wanted to have it come back and like, uh, like have have their, their horror sequence, but it just it felt like narratively it just was such a weird choice. Yeah. No, yeah, I totally agree. And uh, and again, you know, you can assume that most of it probably just like a yeah budgetary reason. And I don't know if maybe maybe that's why they have so many scenes like that in the beginning because maybe they're trying to set that expectation that you're not going to see this fight, which uh, is fine. But yeah, it would have been more effective if <laughs> <laughs> yeah you did actually see it. I mean, like honestly, that's the thing. If you can't do it in the budget, then you write around that you instead of having him sure. kill it and that's why it's there, have it just kind of like hunt him down and show up. Mm-hmm. So it's not like an off-camera thing. Um, and of course, the the ending, of course, is that we think he's won and he's you know he's he's defeated the the beast. Mm-hmm. But the big twist is is that the beast because because you know we see like what looks like him coming into the cabin at the end, and. Mm-hmm with the armor on and the, the the pelts and all the rest of it and then the head that goes on the wall is his and it's actually this this demonic monster uh whose head we only see from the back here that's now wearing his clothes he's, he's got a body now and now mm-hmm. and i kind of read this like the message of the movie and it's very it's there's not a lot to it here because again it's really only this ending that does this but it's the mm-hmm. idea that vengeance has consumed him and it's come for him now too like you know he's been undone by his own vengeance mm-hmm. um yeah i yeah. see that yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair, and uh, I mean, I, I like the ending. It's definitely dark, but you know, I, I think uh, it worked for me. And then, um, yeah, I like all the stuff where you see this head is like crawling around, and you know, it's looking for a body. And I, I like that kind of has this, you know, like raspy voice where it, you know, just you know, keep saying like body, need body, and stuff. Mm. And then, um, you like early in the movie, you see they has this kind of like little. Uh, grave site where you know his daughter was buried and when this thing's running around I just kept thinking like oh I, it, like oh is it gonna go for the you know the daughter's body like oh it's so mm-hmm. messed up and then it eventually does which I, I thought was pretty cool and and that was like another like um you know like good effect like yeah it definitely seems like they yeah couldn't do like a full metamorphosis thing but when it is kind of you know like attaching to the body and stuff is cool no like what, what's there is is good when it gets there I, I th- that's why i go back to it being it should just be a 20 minute thing you know like just mm-hmm. you know to ha- yeah. have it feels kind of padded out um which mm-hmm. I, again i think would be fine if you just had better writing to actually give it story to to build up to to the to the last 15 20 minutes mm-hmm. unfortunately it's a lot of padding it's, it's a lot of just yeah. repeating the same things it's, it's a lot of and they're fine the first time it happens, but by the time he's doing it for the third time, it's like, what am I getting out of this now? Uh, you know, sure. it's, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're basking in your visuals, and your visuals are great. They are, but mm-hmm. it's not progressing. Yeah, I would say, yeah, like, I, I, I would say it, it didn't, like, other movies, like, stuff like this might have angered me, but 
uh, at least since it did look good. And, you know, I like the aesthetic. I like the way the character looked. I like, yeah, it, it, you know, it's just, it's it pleasing to watch. So uh, I, I wouldn't say that it angered me. It, it did definitely, you know, make me feel the, even though it's a very short movie, it did make me feel, you know, the time slipping by. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I wouldn't, but... I wouldn't say it angered me. I, I, I mean, mm-hmm. sadly, I'd say it kind of bored me. Like that, that's, yeah. that's that's the result. Is after that, a while, yeah. there's, a, there's a chunk in the middle of the movie where I was just kind of out of it and just kind of, you know, checking the phone maybe a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and things like that. I mean, yeah, I would be really like interested in like seeing, I don't know, kind of. I'm trying to think. Like, I, I would like. I still like this this character and this premise and stuff. Like, I don't know if they could do like a sequel or almost like a you know almost like a redo kind of like you know evil dead 2 style where it's like yeah we're gonna do kind of just the same movie just a little better or yeah, something but the, like <laughs> th- this time we've got a few million dollars though to, yeah. to spend on it yeah because yeah. it, it's a hell of a uh you know it's a you know they have the dvd out it was played in a couple of festivals but yeah it's a great calling card to be like hey look you know here's what we can do with this budget you know if you give us a little bit more you know we can you know, make something really special um yeah, it's a it, it's hard because I uh, yeah definitely don't want to be like too negative because you know especially as someone that you know like like does their own like creative you know stuff uh, you know like I've been you know working on a comic book for a while now and like it's you know, really hard to do something like by yourself even something that's you know kind of simple so I yeah you know, have like a lot of respect and you know that they're able to put something together especially you know that looks this good but uh. Yeah, yeah, I just would love to see it uh, on a you know bigger scale, I guess. I mean, I like yeah, I have respect for the people who made this. I I think the the direction's pretty solid. I think the the, the visuals are great. I it's amazing how much they got out of that money. It really is. Um so which is why I say that I don't think my main complaint is going to be that we didn't see enough. My problem is is that the script then didn't account for it and write around it. The, the script, sure, the script <laughs> actually made it feel worse that we weren't seeing things, as opposed to actually, you know, as opposed to just making it work in a different way, which it can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Makes sense, yeah. Which is why I say that if you want to just keep it as it is, then just cut out like the middle 30, 40 minutes <laughs> and make it a much shorter yeah. movie. And yeah. I think I'd enjoyed it more more for that. Uh, so I want to critique it, but they said to me, yeah, "I do respect like the effort that put in here. You know, the clue, the, a lot of love and effort went into this. It really did. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think the writing was there to account for the shortcomings that were going to come across mm-hmm. in the story. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, fair. Yeah, this is, I mean, obviously this is a seventy-minute <coughs> movie naturally, and there's not like there's like five lines of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's not a whole lot of subtext. I don't think be beyond what I said about the ending. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I don't know enough about the folk, the folklore to to delve into it to the same extent. But yeah. um, oh, I, I actually I like the music. We, don't, we haven't mentioned the music yet. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a yeah subtle. Like it's it's not a very uh, you know bombastic score, I, I guess, but it definitely works well it's with a, the movie. It's a bit ethereal. It's got some uh, emotional violin pieces when he's like at his daughter's grave and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think the my only complaint with it is that sometimes it sounds a little bit too harsh. Um, it's kind of that thing where if you're on like shitty speakers, like uh, mm-hmm. higher frequencies will make it sound really bad. Except mm-hmm. I know my sound system's fine because you know, like I had to turn this down a little bit compared to what I normally do because it was sounding a bit rough. Whereas, <coughs> you know, like on like you know any other movie, I'll have up like ten decibels higher and it'll be mm-hmm. you know sounding great completely. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's just again because of the budget it's coming from the the sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, designs maybe not 
as perfect as yeah. a fully you know professional you know hollywood production would be which again understandable but yeah. uh what worth pointing yeah. out is it i noticed it i, I didn't have a problem with it but i <laughs> i really don't have a good setup i have a very tiny <laughs> tv uh don't, i don't have like speakers or sound system or anything <laughs> oh. tim, tim get yourself a nice cheap sound bar it'll change your life i promise okay I, i'm kind of waiting till we move into our new house but once we i've like it, it's been a long long time since i've had like a decent you know like a movie game setup so oh, sure, once we yeah. move into our new new house i do want to get like a you know a, a decent uh it, you know, some, tv and stuff it's something i always say tv speakers suck and so many people just never like get anything else because they they just don't <laughs> see the point but seriously it doesn't have to be expensive if you get a cheap sound bar uh mm-hmm. especially a sound bar with a little subwoofer uh, mm-hmm. It will be such an improvement to the sound quality of whatever you're watching. I mean, sure, I've got 5.1 and 5.1 is great, but you don't even need that. Just dedicated speakers. Mm-hmm. Get a nice sound bar. That's all you need. Right. I, I'm, I'm gonna have to hit you up with some recs when, uh, <laughs> yeah, once I'm, I'm moving and setting stuff up. Yeah, because I mean, my my speakers that I've got for my uh, my PC, they were they were like thirty dollars, just a little two point one oh. system, and yeah. yeah, they won't measure up against the expensive stuff, but they are so much better than just coming out of TV like yeah so much better so uh okay. i i recommend it um and it's just because the the shape of tvs but in fact it's because sound in tvs has gotten worse because they've gotten thinner oh interesting okay so so that's that's something to consider anyway mm. uh yeah so <laughs> so the headhunter um i respect it a lot even if i think the final mm-hmm. product is lacking uh mainly in the script department which mm-hmm. is a shame because I think so much else of it. Like I'm impressed with what they were able to achieve in so so little money. Yeah. So, you know, we'll 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 see. Um, it's a one man <laughs> show as well. You you get the actor doing the whole thing by himself. He's very yeah. quiet and stoic, and he's fine. Like, yeah. there's, there's no point where I think he's 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 failing the movie or like hamming it up or anything like that. He's he does a good. It's not. I wouldn't say it's the most demanding performance ever. For sure. Yeah. But he he de- he doesn't you know mess it up so you know, points yeah points for I liked sure him. yeah kind of reminded me of like alan moore a little bit like a few a few mm. scenes he kind of looked like ron swanson a bit i, I can see a little bit actually <laughs> i thought ron swanson as well there was a couple of points where i was like he looks a little bit yeah. like ron swanson with a beard and i was thinking of ron swanson going to like the woods like you know in the summer or whatever and this, this is what he does yeah who who knows i mean yeah, maybe, after the show ended, maybe that's that's what he did. Yeah, with himself. I'm going to say that the monster that came and killed him at the end was uh, Tammy Zero. <laughs> that makes sense. That fits. Yeah, her name was Tammy. <laughs> I know that. I know that for a fact. Uh, but no. So yeah, so it's, it's maybe a bit of a shorter episode because it's a it's a shorter movie uh, for a start, yeah. but. Um, I you know it is, it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I, I think if if you're a fan of like seeing what people can do in a low budget and you you respect the the actual effort that goes into a film, I think you'll appreciate this in that sense. I think if you want a movie that is actually worth sitting through, and in, in, in a well a traditional sense, uh, I don't know if I can recommend yeah. it in quite the same way. <laughs> yeah, I, I think like you know a, a casual viewer maybe might not get as much out of this um you know because there was a, a lot that I, you know like a lot of stuff that uh, i liked about it but you know if um 
Yeah, like, like, I don't know. Like, I might be more critical about it if I didn't know going in that it was such a, you know, small production uh, and, like, kind of like a labor of love kind of thing. Uh, you know, if you just hand it to me, I was like, oh, this is like a just a regular movie. Just watch it like that. You know, I may, might, might ha- have more complaints. But, like, as a person that, you know, kind of likes the, you know, the idea of just going out and doing something, you know, on your own with, like, no money, uh you know, I, I think oh, yeah. it's like really cool to see you know, what can be done with that. Yeah, I, I am way more sympathetic to the problems encountered with this than I am, you know, mm. n- name your, what was the last shitty thing we did? The Prodigy. <laughs> the Prodigy. The Prodigy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't really, you don't watch The Prodigy and, and feel like, oh, this is a labor of love that they no. did, a story that they just had to tell and they've been waiting years to do <laughs> no 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 that, you watch that movie and you're like nope someone got a paycheck they cashed that yeah. paycheck they put in their hours and they left <laughs> like that's what it feels like yeah and i kind of like you know i, I kind of feel like i keep comparing it to you know comic books because that's kind of like you know the world i'm in that i'm like uh you know trying to work in it and and do myself and you know it just feels like the difference between you know you're getting some random you know, Marvel or DC book that's just like a tie into an event that doesn't really feel like it matters. It just feels mm. like, you know, they're putting something out to put it out versus, you know, you get like a new uh, like image or Dark Horse comic or something that, you know, maybe isn't the best, but it's like, oh, wow, like this guy wrote and drew it and, you know, did like the letters and stuff. And you can tell like, you know, they're trying hard. So, you know, you're like a little more forgiving. It's a little more interesting. Yeah, even you, if maybe it's not the best. You can feel the passion. Pa- passion counts yeah. for something. Um, yeah. Even if it doesn't carry like stuff like this completely, where you can say, "No, nah, no, nah, this is totally worth seeing for everyone," because it's not. But like, yeah. it carries it a lot, a lot better. So, uh, with that said, you've got the hard task now, Tim, of actually rating <laughs> this out of ten. Uh, yeah, it's a little tough, and um, I mean, this might seem like a. <laughs> like maybe too high of a score but i think i'm gonna give it like a a seven because it's uh again i'm just really impressed with all the you know the filmmaking and stuff and the um you know and it's just i mean like you you already said like a bunch of times now but yeah it's just that there's just some lacking in the story and the repetition but uh i don't know that maybe i'm going a bit high but i just feel like you know it gets extra points because of that uh what they're able to do with that budget and that passion and stuff what was the number? I missed the number and all that. Somewhere. Oh, I, I said seven. Seven, okay. I was like, I got all the explanation, but I missed the number. I, was like, I, I thought Sorry. you were going to say it at the end. I was like, oh, you said it already. Um, I don't think I can quite go to a seven, because seven to me saying this is good. And I don't know if I can, I can flat out call it good. Mm-hmm. I have to be kind of harsh and objective here. So I am going to give it a six. And it gets mm-hmm. a six, uh, which is above the mediocre line, because you feel the passion and because it looks really good and some nice music um, and you, you can genuinely feel the passion behind it. It doesn't feel like some idiots were just making some schlock that they don't understand. Um, yeah. But it does have serious problems with its script. And I, I think that's why like, I, I will critique it for that. It's not just that, oh, it didn't have the money. Well, yeah, but part of doing that is then rating around what you do have. You rate yeah. the script to suit the budget you can shoot with. So... On that, on that, I think you can actually validly critique this and say that's where it falls down creatively. Uh, yeah. So I'll give it a six. 
um, because I think there is some merit in in the filmmaking and just just they are just being impressed. Like thirty thousand yeah. dollars got you this? What? Okay, yeah, <laughs> very good. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, and yeah, and I think that's still like a pretty yeah decent score. Like you know if you know if I like put out a movie like you know anything like above a you know like a the the kind of middle point line would be happy with. You know, especially because nowadays everything is so kind of like, oh, this sucks. It's a, it's a one. It's a two. You know. Good to know. So when Tim's comic book comes out, I'm going <laughs> to correlate all the reviews, and it's going to be nothing but like fives and sixes out of ten on his on his <laughs> on his poster. Just like you know, new comic book by Tim, <laughs> six out of ten comic book beat. <laughs> I, uh, as long as people. Uh, <sighs> Honestly, as long as people buy it and give me money, I'm fine. <laughs> All right. Um, and if you would like to, you know, make us feel good about doing this show, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash TV. You don't have to buy episodes, but if you want to subscribe like, like as one of your monthly subscriptions, you can do that on Patreon. And you get a bonus episode per month from me and Tim. Uh, so that's worth the, that's the one dollar tier. So you just have to pay one dollar and you get that per month. At the five dollar tier, you get to vote an episode once per month, uh, and then there's other bonuses there that are for other shows that we do on Mailfuzz TV. Uh, but go and go and have a look and see if you're if you're interested. Um, and get us on Twitter at Streams Midnight and let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments. Uh, to promote other things that we do, uh, I mean, I think the obvious thing to promote would be the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, which is kind of a sister mm-hmm. show now that's just started. Uh, it's called the Atomic Cinema Experiment. If you're interested, it's called the Ace uh, to, to abbreviate it. Uh, you can you can check out that. Um, and yeah, Tim's already plugged these comic books like naturally like five yeah. times, so I'm, I'm not giving him a I'm not giving him an outlet for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, when Tim finally gets them on Comicsology, so people can buy them digitally all over the world, mm-hmm. uh, we'll make a point of telling you so you can go and support them that way. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I, I I don't like talking about stuff until it's like oh sure, so you, you know, know to... definite. But I I should, hopefully this year I should have some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay sometime before he turns 40 there'll be comics and comicsology that you can you can get yeah um, um so that is uh that has been the headhunter so uh thank you very much for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching scary movies guys and we will see you next time <laughs>